Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey folks, we'll talk to Donna Halper here in just one second. But first, we are so grateful that vaccinations for COVID-19 are underway. While we're nearing the finish line for this brutal pandemic, getting there means staying safe, especially as we come up on the finish line. For the foreseeable future, only respirator face masks provide real protection from transmission. Unfortunately, the huge demand and limited supply of respirators means we're flooded with fakes and counterfeits that do almost nothing. Well, right now, the NewDealShop.com has FDA-authorized N95 respirator masks, with anti-fraud labeling on every single package that can be verified right on the manufacturer's website. They're tested in the United States by the NPPTL and provide the most significant level of protection. These respirator masks are in stock in the U.S. and ship immediately for free. Go to thenewdealshop.com now and get verified, authenticated, FDA-authorized N95 masks shipped immediately to your home or your business. That's thenewdealshop.com, thenewdealshop.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Recorded live in the USA and covering the whole wide world. Right on! This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, March 10, 2021, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. My guest is not only a regular on the show, but she's one of my all-time favorite guests, period. The great Donna Halper is here today. Not only is Donna the legendary broadcaster who introduced Rush, the band, to American music fans, but she's also a professor of political communications and an incredibly gifted blogger. You can find her work at dlhalperblog.blogspot.com. Links in the description. Today, we're going to talk about the American Rescue Plan and the Biden administration and how the Democrats can get their accomplishments to resonate in a distracted America. Meanwhile, if you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe to our bonus content at patreon.com slash Show. Okay, let's talk to Donna. The Jehovah's Witnesses. I'll bet it is. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Halper. How the heck well, are see, you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm just not buying. You can't sell me anything, so just forget it, all right? <laughs> so how are you? Oh, my God. I'm, it seems like I'm forever. I'm thrilled and delighted. I'm just, yeah. you know, whenever I get to be on your podcast, it's like <laughs> I'm thrilled and delighted. 
Have you and Mr. Which is different from being shocked and chagrined. You know? Yeah, good. I'll take that. I'll take the first one. Mortified, Thank you very much. Mortified and stupefied. You know? <laughs> so have you and Mr. Halper been vaccinated yet? Have you gotten your vaccination? Well, there is no Mr. Halper, but my husband is John Jacobic. Oh, okay. Um, that's, but the answer to the question is I get my shot tomorrow. He gets his Friday. Oh, and that's great. I, uh, what about you? Have you had yours? No, no, I'm not. I'm nowhere near being eligible yet. I'm There's biding no my time. There's no rhyme or reason to this. There's no rhyme or no, reason to no. this. Okay. I mean, God bless Biden, but the rollout that was left to the states has mm-hmm. just been chaos. Right. And there's no way of telling who's getting it and who isn't. I only, to be honest with you, I only got mine because of the fact that I had cancer and my oncologist wanted me vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And so she pushed for it. So I'm going into Mass General Hospital tomorrow. Otherwise, I ain't eligible yet. So uh, um, that's just uh, absolutely insane. I, I I don't understand how people. Well, that Charlie Baker just made seventy-four year olds eligible. He didn't uh, seventy-five as a cutoff. Gotcha. And okay, and I understand they only had a limited amount of vaccine. Duda, duda. Mm-hmm. But um, hey, at least Biden's getting the vaccines and getting them out to the. Imagine the situation we'd all be in Mm -hmm. if we were still living living under the previous oh it'll go away any minute it's just like the flu and oh yeah yeah in fact you know what it'd be like donna it would be like this no one would be getting vaccines it would be an absolute disaster but yet donald trump would be on twitter and on television every day saying things are great yeah yeah, (laughs) it's perfect everyone's getting vaccinated have we started recording we are absolutely recording yes Oh, all right then. So, um, but that's, but there you go. I mean, he was going to sign the stimulus. He created the, no, he didn't. Mm -hmm. No, he didn't. That's right. Now that's a very interesting question. I understand that Biden is basically a humble politician. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but in, in the case of like big bills, he doesn't generally try to claim that he's the one that personally did it. That's right. But in this case, Democrats don't generally toot their horn enough. Yes. Okay. And as a result, the other side gets to define what the bill is. We saw this with the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. We're seeing this with the stimulus. I mean, the you know, on, on conservative media, this is like, oh, my God, you know, criminals are going to get <laughs> checks. And yeah. Like, really? So that's, <laughs> that's the story you're going with. Criminals are going to get checks. Okay. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, it just makes you wonder. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, part of me is like, yeah, Joe, you're a good guy. I'm glad you're not going to sign the checks. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, there's a part of me going, people need to see your name and they need to know where this came from. Yeah. And, you know, it might be good. But on the other hand, there's good news tonight. Merrick Garland got confirmed right yes that just now happened 70 to 30 and you know 
big brass ones, McConnell votes for it. Like now McConnell is like, you know, things are great. Yeah. You know? Please don't hate me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah. that vote was all about. God. Yeah, I know. I, I blocked him when he was up for Supreme Court, but now I'm going to vote yep. for him. Wouldn't, wouldn't even give him a hearing. Wouldn't yeah. even yeah. give him a hearing. Well, it's a monumental uh, day. I mean, we've got Merrick Garland confirmed today and also the House passed the American Rescue Plan, as you were just talking about. And absolutely. I, I want to go back to that for a second because... Because Please do. Please do. In addition to, uh, you know, signing or not signing the checks, because as you were saying, Joe Biden's not going to sign the checks like Trump did with his checks. But what else can the Democrats do as far as ballyhooing this legislation? Because it's so worthy of bragging, as far as I'm concerned. There are so many great things in this legislation. I mean, 100 percent cobra than, more subsidies. More than people yeah. realize. Oh, yeah. More yeah. than people realize. And this is going to help a lot of people, whether you're a righty or a lefty, mm-hmm. this is going to help a lot of people. And what's interesting is while Republicans voted against it because, can you say, obstruction, yeah. um, the truth is their constituents are for it. <laughs> Take a look at the polling. Oh, yeah. The, this polls really well. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if I'm a politician and something polls really well and my constituents want it, I'm going to vote against it and say it's because of all those prisoners that are going to. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's infuriating and and baffling. And all isn't, the same doesn't time. it discriminate against Dr. Seuss, too? I mean, isn't Dr. <laughs> Seuss discriminated against in this bill? I mean, yeah. we've got to take a brave stand for Dr. Seuss, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely and want Mr. to get Potato into that And Mr. Potato Head as well. And Mr. <laughs> Potato Head as well. I mean, That's exactly I don't right. think that Mr. Potato Head got one dime in the stimulus. Not one dime. It's wrong. Yeah, it's well, criminal. What is the strategy here? Why do they think that they can be opposed to something that's supported by 75% of the American people. Well, here's the deal, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, so I mm-hmm. don't want to be like history and keep repeating myself, but in this case, <laughs> Never I stops think me. I will. <laughs> okay. Nah. Okay, but it's your podcast, so there we are. <laughs> um, I'm going to do what I want on my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay, okay, I can see that. Yes, very good. <laughs> So, uh, hey, that's taking a brave stand, you know. Um, I bravely say that on my podcast, I will do what I want. So, thank you. Um, So here's the problem. Yes. Okay. Once upon a pond in a kingdom far away, there was Rush Limbaugh. Mm -hmm. And I understand that Rush Limbaugh is still dead. And I'm not trying to be rude, but what he created lives on. Yeah. And... Half of the country now lives in a fact-free universe, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that unkindly. I know what some of my Republican friends are going to say. Oh, you know, sure, on MSNBC, the commentators do the same thing. Okay, but I'm not talking commentators, okay? Mm -hmm. Whether you agree with commentators or not, on MSNBC, you can find actual news reporters. I mean, people who are fair to the facts, people who don't get out in front of the facts, and people who don't speculate. And the truth is that there is a giant media ecosystem of right-wing publications, 
right-wing websites, right-wing talk radio, which is 95% of talk radio is mm-hmm. right-wing, and of course, right-wing television like Fox News, One America News Network, Sinclair, Newsmax. So it is possible, if you are a Republican, to listen to nothing but commentary mm-hmm. 24-7, which in many cases is disguised as, oh, this is news, except no, it isn't. It's commentary. Yeah. And chances are all you're hearing about the American Rescue Plan is it's giving money to prisoners and illegals. <laughs> and you're not hearing what's actually in the bill. Yeah. And because you never are exposed to anything else you're not going to hear about what's in it. Mm-hmm. That, for me, is very problematic. Okay? Like every day, I always read stuff from the right and I always read stuff from the left. There are absolutely reputable conservative publications. It is not an oxymoron. There are conservative reporters who really do try to be fair to the facts, but who kind of come at things with a conservative perspective. May, sure. I, may I name a publication? Yeah, why not? Okay. Publications like The Bulwark, B-U-L-W-A-R-K. Oh, yeah, Charlie Sykes thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and publications like The Dispatch, mm-hmm. okay? Now, I don't agree necessarily with either one, but in neither case are they bomb throwers. In neither case are they calling people names and insulting them. They're just coming from a traditionally conservative perspective. And by the way, even they say the American Rescue Plan has some great stuff. In oh, yeah, yeah. But the majority of Republicans and conservatives in what is now, to some degree, a cult of personality around Donald Trump, those good folks are exposed to nothing but partisan, one-sided opinion, and they don't hear anything else. And as a result, for them, this is like, oh my God, it's the worst thing imaginable. And because of partisan gerrymandering, because so many representatives in Congress no longer have any competition and no longer have to worry about any competition, they are just responding to the noisiest level of their base Mm -hmm. and nothing but. That's what Rush Limbaugh wrought. Rush Limbaugh and other right-wing talkers, God bless them, created a media universe where stirring people up, riling people up, and getting them constantly angry was great for ratings and bad for democracy. Oh, yeah. That's a very long answer (laughs) in terms of, you know, what can Joe Biden do? Yeah. He can do something that he's not really good at, but I know he's going to do it. He can go on television. He can go on YouTube. He can go on any place else they tell him to do and basically toot his own horn and talk about what Democrats have done. And Democrats need to do the same thing. They need to find ways to get the message out to a general audience, which still does exist, except it's a little bit more challenging in such a partisan media environment. But they need to let people know what the facts are. Like, I got in touch with Glenn Kessler a couple of days ago, okay? Glenn is the fact checker at the Washington Post. The Pinocchio guy, yeah. Yeah. 
I had just watched Meet the Press, and of mm-hmm. course, I wind up throwing things at the screen every <laughs> single time because, you know, you get some politician, often a righty, but sometimes a lefty, let's be honest, mm-hmm. um, who says blah, blah, blah. And Chuck Todd is like, yep, whatever. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Uh huh. Well, thank you for sharing your views. I'm like, Chuck, it's not about sharing your views. It's right. about this person just lied to the audience. Are mm-hmm. you okay with that? Evidently, yes. Um, So John Barrasso, who is a member of Congress from Wyoming, I do believe, um, he's the one that got on there and was like, well, no Republican can vote for the uh, COVID relief plan because it's not about COVID. It's about giving money to illegal immigrants. (laughs) And I, I just the sound of me waiting for Chuck Todd to say something. Oh, wait, he didn't say anything. Okay, so I got on uh, social media and I messaged Glenn Kessler and I said, Glenn, you do this for a living, okay? Is there anything, just so that I'm not misleading people, is there anything in the stimulus that gives money to illegals or gives money to prisoners? Or And God bless him, he fact-checked it, gave uh, Mr. Barrasso some Pinocchios. But the problem is the people who need to see that aren't reading the fact-checking in the Washington Post. That's right. And so it resonates. So the lie ends up resonating to their yep. own people, and that's something, that's an yep. area where the Democrats can't go and shouldn't go, in fact, because, uh, you know, there are lots of little tricks that they can use to break through the noise, but it's all going to be tricks that sell their souls, that that absolutely negate like, the idea I, I, that they're the, the grown-ups in the room, which oh, they yeah. are. Like, you know. I respect... Pete Buttigieg for going on Fox News. I do. I respect him for it. I respect anyone who goes on one of their news programs like Chris Wallace. Okay, Chris Wallace actually is still trying his damnedest to do a news program. Mm -hmm. But the network itself the, the channel itself is just going harder and harder to the right. It's becoming more and more commentary, and there's less and less occasions to actually talk about the news. So if you can get on, for example, Chris Wallace, terrific. You should probably go. But I really believe that this is an administration that has been surprisingly disciplined, and it's been surprisingly focused. And I have the feeling that Biden's media people will have him out strategically, because let's be honest, he's not going to make the world forget Barack Obama as a public speaker. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And and in fairness to Biden, and I took some people to task about this yesterday, and I'll do it again. Okay. <laughs> Joe Biden is a stutterer. Okay. Yeah. I do not want to hear about, oh, he said a word wrong. Oh, give it a rest. Yeah. Okay. This poor guy went through years of speech therapy. Okay. Like him or hate him. The fact that he is a public speaker at all, we should all have a marching band for the guy, okay? I mean, give the man a hand because, no kidding, he has struggled with stuttering all the days of his life, and anyone that mocks him for it, shame on them, Yeah. okay? Now, that having been said, there is a great need for him to get out there and promote what's in the American Rescue Plan. But he may not be 
be the best person to do it. There may be some people in the Democratic caucus who are much more eloquent, much better speakers. I mean, there are some really good Congress people that are just doing some amazing work in getting the message out. Let them go and do that. And let's blanket the airwaves. Let's use social media. Let's go after the misinformation on every platform that we possibly can before we can be outflanked. Wouldn't that be swell? Oh, yeah. Because there's just so much just let's wait and see what people say. No, no. You define the story. Either you define it or someone else will. If Joe Biden went on primetime television after signing this legislation, the American Rescue Plan, uh, let's say he goes on from 8 to 8.30, uh, maybe Thursday night, like tomorrow night, like right in the middle of primetime, talks about the American Rescue Plan, details what's in it, delivers, you know, his version of a rousing televised address. Does that resonate, though? Because it seems like the appetite, the things that actually cut through all of the noise coming from streaming television and the Internet and social media and all these different things that are distracting us, does that cut through in an age where the only thing that does typically cut through are crazy Trump rants and, you know, the the nonsense that we've been uh forced to endure for the past four years that stuff seems to cut through the noise just because it's so obnoxious but how does someone like joe biden or even let's say they get another uh democratic a-lister to go in there and, and deliver the address too how does that cut through all of that noise well first of all Let's talk about your podcast. My favorite topic, by the way, yes. And I hear that you talk about what you want to talk about on your podcast. (laughs) Yes, I I do. Okay. Um, So (laughs) let's be honest, okay? Okay. Does your podcast change the world? Does it change society? No. Does it like, is it the one podcast that everybody and their sister listens to? Uh, I mean, you'll tell people that it is, but in in reality... Okay. Well put. Yes, that's exactly okay. the in dynamic. Reality, yeah. In reality. So here's where I'm going. Okay. The truth is, in the world today, perception is cumulative. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was a song by Tom Petty, which I dearly love, uh, called The Waiting. The Waiting is the Hardest Part. Wonderful yes. song. Yep. And he said, every day you get one more yard. So Spreading the story today is almost like that. Every day you get one more yard. So you put something out on your podcast. Stephanie Miller comments on it. Then somebody on MSNBC, maybe Nicole Wallace. Okay. And then Chris Hayes. And then Rachel's doing a piece on it. And then pretty soon somebody from the Washington Post who's doing media criticism talks about the fact that, wow, a lot of people are talking about And gradually the story builds and builds, and you're tweeting it out, and you're on YouTube, and you're up. But my point is, years ago, there was one mass medium, namely television. Before that, there was one mass medium, namely radio. Everybody watched it. Everybody listened to it. It's not like that today. No. Today, the audience is so fragmented that somebody needs to start telling the story, then the surrogates pick it up, then they take it out into a whole bunch of other places. Here's the American Rescue Plan helping, you know, Joe Gazakstahagen in his plumbing place. And here's the American Rescue Plan, you know, helping out Miri whoever in her florist shop. And here's the, you know, mm. and gradually it builds 
and builds to the point where you get more people talking about it. So Joe Biden gives a talk tomorrow night. You're right. The vast majority of people are going to be like, oh, politician giving talk. But what happens after that? His media people chop it up, take significant things he said, go out in the market, politicians go out and run with it, they get on the local news, everybody's on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram, and pretty soon you build a discourse. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think they're going to try to do. And your podcast is one more piece of building that discourse. Yeah, you know, that's a a really, really insightful uh, way to describe this, Donna, and I'm obviously not surprised. There's a great Seinfeld episode where George Costanza talks about how he manages to uh, stick with, you know, people he wants to have a relationship with. Like, if he meets a woman and she may not be interested, but he wants her to remember him. So he'll use the, remember the old commercials that went by men and had that little jingle mm-hmm. at the end? Well, he would mm-hmm. do, he would do Costanza and, and they would remember yep. that. Yep. They would remember the jingle. Yep. And it's only little, it's only just planting a seed, but then it grows into something that you can't get out of your head. And hopefully that oh, will be you the ever, case. Have you ever had a jingle stick in your head and you can't stand the product, but you can't get the <laughs> jingle out of your head? Every day. Yes. <laughs> oh, Lordy. I'm like that about songs. When I was a DJ, there are certain songs that it was like, if I ever have to play this again, I think I will upchuck. But the audience wanted it. Yeah. The audience wanted to hear it. So oh, what are yeah. you going to do? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. You play one song once and then it goes, well, I mean, on the internet, they call it going viral. And so that's the hope. That's The hope is that uh, Joe Biden gets on television, talks about the American Rescue Plan, and it goes viral. It starts to, and it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, some sort of phenomenon where everybody's talking about it. But, you know, as people have conversations, they mention, oh, yeah, look, I was, I'm unemployed and I have uh, a Cobra health insurance here to tide me over so I can stick with my uh, old insurance. And now Joe Biden's covered it with subsidies 100%. And so it's just little little bits and pieces like that. Oh, you mean we're not just getting $1,400 checks. We're also getting $300 per child in uh, monthly tax credits paid out by the IRS Absolutely. to Most us. That you're, yeah. you're raising exactly the point I was trying to make. Right. Anytime any big bill passes, I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. Most people have no clue what's in it and how it's going to affect them. I get the impression that Biden has a very good media team. They seem to be quite savvy, and they seem to be ready to get out in front of this and to make sure that people know in increments that the average person can understand how does this affect them. I told an anecdote a long time ago when I used to do motivational talks back when I was a radio consultant. And I heard this speaker say, hey, what's everybody's favorite radio station? (laughs) And of course, we're all throwing out call letters, you know, the station we all work for. He said, no, you're all wrong. Everybody's favorite radio station is WIIFM. And we all looked at each other. He was like, yeah, WIIFM. What's in it? For me, hmm. yeah. what's in it for me? Most people, when they think of a big bill being passed by Congress, they're like, ah, doesn't apply to me. And the job of the surrogates 
and the local politicians and the local publicists and media folks and the folks on social media and this and that is to let people know what's in it for them, yeah. who stood for it and who tried to stop it. Yeah, just utterly fascinating, Donna. And the corollary to that is the fact that we have now entered into a phase. And in fact, it didn't start with Joe Biden. It didn't start in January. It started last year, where this whole notion of government austerity, where, oh no, we can't create a a stimulus bill that's $2.2 trillion, or this latest one, $1.9 trillion. We have to be austere. We have to take smaller steps to solving problems using the uh, the power of the federal government and the power of the purse. But now, and this is something, we finally returned to where we were during the New Deal era and uh, into World War II, where it was seen, uh, quite logically, that the government can step in and help in these situations. For the but last... See, you're, you're- yeah, you're raising. I'm so sorry to interrupt. It's a horrible habit. I shouldn't do it. <laughs> That's and I'm okay. Really sorry. You're the guest. Um, no, it's not about that. It's rude, and I'm very sorry. But sometimes, like I, I think real fast, you know, and I mm-hmm. hear something, and I'm like, oh my god, I gotta say something. About oh sure, this. sure, I sure. I apologize. So, um, yeah, now I've lost my train. No, I haven't. Um, <laughs> so here's here's the deal. Unfortunately, we're living in a time when there are two views of government. Yeah. The one view is government should stay out of our lives and play no role in trying to solve people's problems. Mm. We just saw that in the last administration. And then we have the current administration. Government should solve problems. Government should try to make things better for people. Now, whatever one you think is the best, okay? I understand that there are various debates that can be had about how much government there should be in our lives. But I really am of the opinion that government can do some good for us. I really am of the opinion that the Reagan attitude of like, you know, I'm from the government and I'm only trying to help you is like the most terrifying phrase in the, no, no, no. Government has done some wonderful things. Government brought us social security. Government brought us, you know, the end of child labor. Government absolutely has stepped in at critical times and created policies that made people's lives better. Mm -hmm. And if we can support, as happened in the previous administration, giving a tax cut that mostly benefited wealthy people, why can't we give some benefits to people that are poor? Because the working poor, and one of the myths that just drives me crazy is, oh, if you give money to the poor, then they won't work. That comes from a discourse that believes that the poor are basically lazy. I've been a professor now, oh my God, coming on to three decades. I was in radio for four. I Mm -hmm. did both for many years. And I have never yet seen a lazy poor person. I have, however, and I'm sure they exist because there's good and bad in every group of people. But I have seen a lot of poor people who got the real short end of the stick, who didn't live near things, who couldn't get to where the jobs were, who couldn't afford a car, who were barely scraping by when suddenly they got a health bill, that you know, a medical bill that wasn't covered, who were just living one step away from disaster at every moment of their lives. And if Joe Biden, through this plan, 
can make their lives a little more secure, this will help the economy because then they'll be able to afford things. Then they'll be able to spend money. Then they'll be able to go to school. Then they'll be able to get job training. It might lift them out of poverty. So rather than making them lazy, it probably is going to make them even more industrious because it's going to give them opportunities they didn't have before. Mm -hmm. So how is that a bad thing? Yeah, it's absolutely not a bad thing. And in fact, what you were describing in terms of, oh, the uh, the poor people are just going to take advantage of the welfare system and everything like that. that. I mean, that has its origins in racism and sort yep. of this uh, lazy and shiftless stereotype that the Jim Crow era and yep. the lost yep. cause thrust yep. onto uh, African-American yep. people. Awful, 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 awful. I have this theory that for every one person who's ripping off the welfare system, there are a hundred white guys in lower Manhattan ripping off Wall Street, ripping off the banking system, ripping off the entire economy. I mean, taking advantage of every loophole and creating new loopholes where there aren't loopholes already. And and Bob, why don't we talk about corporate welfare? Yeah. I mean, everybody is real big in Congress uh, on one side of the aisle in howling about welfare. Mm-hmm. Okay, but boy howdy, we sure give a lot of subsidies to wealthy corporations that don't need it. That's and right. by the way, why is the cost of insulin so high, Mommy? Will somebody please tell me this? Mm-hmm. Will somebody tell me why in other countries they can get the same medications for an awful lot less? Yep. Yeah, you know, yeah. just asking for a friend. Oh, oh, you'll be shocked, shocked to find that Senator Rick Scott just said that what the Biden administration should be focusing on is the national debt. Oh, okay. Uh, now, yeah, sure. Was mm. I asleep during the past four years when they ballooned the debt and the deficit yeah. because they wanted to give tax cuts to the wealthy that were not paid for? I, I was asleep when he complained about that. Am I right? I, oh, oh, wait, he didn't complain about it. Okay, got, yeah. got it. He only complains when there's a Democrat in the White House. Yeah, this is, this is more Republican jumping the gun ah. kind of situation here where it's it's kind of like, you know what it reminds me of, Donna, is this sudden move toward, oh, you know, we need to focus on the debt now all of a sudden after Rick Scott voted for a $2.2 trillion stimulus yep. on, the, on the back of a gigantic tax cut for the rich. So there were a couple of things that Rick Scott voted for and supported. Absolutely. Uh, and but, he, was he not a health care executive and did oh, he yeah. not? Uh, not exactly have a uh, reputation for integrity? No, absolutely not. Here's the thing. They're jumping the gun with this, though, and they're, they're approaching the debt and the deficit too soon in this crisis. It's very similar to people like Greg Abbott and uh, my governor, Larry Hogan here, jumping the gun on reopening before everyone's got their vaccines yet. So it's like they're not seeing the finish lines for where the finish lines are. (laughs) They're jumping the gun by miles and miles and miles, and that's going to actually worsen the problem. On the fiscal side, obviously, getting too austere right now will hamper any recovery from the past year. And then, of course, uh, re opening too soon and not continuing with mask mandates until everyone has a vaccine that's going to exacerbate the the pandemic before everyone's vaccinated so it's just none of it works and it just seems like these guys 
on the Republican side have no concept in terms of what they're doing. They have no ability to do their job or to uh, accomplish, uh, you but, know, a solution Bobby, to a crisis. I, Bobby, I love you dearly. We've been friends since forever. <laughs> but let's be honest. Yeah. Right now, and even Republicans will tell you this, I mean, have um, Charlie Sykes as a guest on your podcast, and he will say the exact same thing, and he's been a Republican for decades. Mm -hmm. The current Republican Party is not a party of governing. It is a performative party. Yes. It is a party that makes an outrageous statement goes on Fox News and repeats the outrageous statement, then puts out a fundraising email where they claim they're being canceled because not enough people are listening to their outrageous statement, wash, rinse, repeat. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing this over and over with culture war issues like the thing about Mr. Potato Head and like the thing about Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss isn't being canceled. All my Dr. Seuss books are right downstairs. They continue to be right downstairs. Mm -hmm. They're in any library that anybody wants to go to. But the point is that historically, companies have made changes over the years. Some stuff continues to stay in print. Other stuff does not. And life goes on. But I haven't seen any policies from the Republican Party in years Everything is all about today's culture war issue, today's outrageous statement. And again, I'm not talking at the local level where, you know, Larry Hogan and Charlie Baker are reasonable Republican governors. You can disagree with them about various things, but they're not bomb throwers. Yeah. Unfortunately, the National Party has become, you know, the party of Marjorie Taylor Greene. What is the most outrageous thing we can say today? Mm -hmm. How many different social media outlets can we promote it on? How can we fundraise off of it? And then how can we get back to doing it again? Right. So I, would, I wouldn't mind if there were Republicans who wanted to have a policy debate about targeting the stimulus. Okay, fine. Let's have a policy debate. But I'm not seeing a lot of policy. I'm seeing a lot of we don't want Biden to do X when we were fine about it if Trump did it. That's tribalism mm -hmm. and it's hypocrisy. Yeah. Who needs a, a policy debate when you've got the culture war to fall back on? I, I noticed a tweet the other day, and this, in fact, speaks to a lot of the things that we've been talking about today, Donna. Eric Erickson observed that more mm -hmm. people are mm -hmm. going to remember the Dr. Seuss thing than mm -hmm. remember what is in this legislation. That's not necessarily what will happen. That's what the Red Hat Republicans are hoping will happen. That's the whole yep. intention of this culture war war nonsense that we've been seeing for the past two or three weeks. Mr. Potato Head, the Disney movies, Dr. Seuss, and all the rest of that crap that has nothing to do... The only thing it has anything to do with is Fox News and the Republicans trying to tell the private sector what they can and can't do. Isn't absolutely. that an interesting change of pace that suddenly the oh, Republicans absolutely. are all for big government regulation of you know the social media companies and, and companies like Disney? Well, that's something... Yeah. I've, I've said this... I said this on a previous podcast of yours. Um, Republicans, God bless them, mm -hmm. claim that they are for small government, except <laughs> when it comes to, for example, women's bodies, in which case they're for big, intrusive government that tells women what they can and cannot do with their yep. bodies. 
or things of that nature, or therefore small government and keeping the government out of things when it comes to like telling people that a baker doesn't have to bake a cake for a gay wedding. But we want to tell Facebook and Twitter what they can put on their platforms. That's right. Okay, so some private companies are okay, but other private companies are not okay, and that That's doesn't. Right. Uh, yeah. What am yeah. I missing? What yeah. am I missing? But you know, I wanted to ask you. I mean, you're a professor of political communications. How do you think? Gen, how do you think Jen Psaki's doing as press secretary? I think it's so nice to have regular press conferences again. <laughs> God bless them. Yeah. I'm very serious. I understand that in many cases, not a lot of news is made at press conferences. But I think she's reasonable. I think she gets back to people. And by the way, that is not just something that Democrats do. There have actually been some very good Republican press secretaries who took the job seriously and who got back to reporters. But since we're being honest, I don't care if it's Jen Psaki or anybody else for that matter. Their job is to make their guy look good. Mm -hmm. Their job is to basically give cover to his or her policies. And in some cases, their job is to not make news, to not get out in front of what their boss's priorities are. In that regard, I think Jen Psaki has been reasonable. She's been fair to the facts. And yes, Sometimes she doesn't really answer a question. But name me a press secretary who does. Yeah. By and large, that's not what they're paid for. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, she did answer the big question of the day because one of Joe Biden's dogs nipped at someone. And a reporter asked if the dog will need to be euthanized. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, ah, what kind of world are we living in? (laughs) Okay? I mean, of all the things that are going on, um, Champ and Major, I am not a dog person. I'm not a cat person either. I'm allergic to them. Mm -hmm. Okay? But I believe in animal well-being. I believe in humane treatment of animals. And I also understand enough about animals to know that Champ and Major were both brought over from Delaware, where they got accustomed for years to roaming around in Wilmington. And now suddenly, they're in the White House. People are taking their picture. People want to pet them. I'm surprised they didn't nip at more people. Because this is very scary for dogs. Any pet owner will tell you that. Change their environment. Put a lot of pressure on them. See how they respond. Mm -hmm. So, no, nothing terrible happened. And this is what Jen Psaki has to deal with. Some of the questions are really good. Some of the questions are kind of, you sit there and you're like, and people get paid money to ask these questions. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, overall, I'm just happy that the press conferences exist. I think given the context of what she's been asked to do, she's doing a pretty good job of it. And I, you know, I got nothing bad to say about her. I wouldn't want her job. How do you think she's doing? I think she's doing just fine. I, I think she's just where she needs to be. And that's, yep. I think, the whole idea of the Biden yep. White House. It's this sense of normalcy that we've been craving oh, for four you. years now that's yes. now finally allowing us to sleep at night. I think that's the one of the biggest deals coming out of the inauguration, coming out of the election, is that I think there are millions and millions, of probably 82 million of us, who can now 
sleep at night because ah. it's not an existential disaster every and second of the thing day called the weekend yeah, thing right. called the weekend and and i hear it's comprised of like saturday and sunday and, and like people like go to the park and, and like you know eat cereal and you know they don't have to worry about oh my god is the world going to end tonight what crazy thing did he say this time yeah it's yeah. the worst thing mm-hmm. that we can say about joe biden is that sometimes he makes gaffes and mispronounces people's names. I'll take it. Yeah. Compared to what we've been through, Mm -hmm. oh, Lordy, it's so nice to have just peace, quiet, stability. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what's next for the Biden administration? I mean, we're only, yeah, we're just coming up on 50 days into this. So it's not not like a... You know, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Because... There are some folks, and in this case, I'm going to take some of my lefty friends to task. I'm I'm center left. But there are some people that are just like, well, okay, fine. How come he hasn't gotten this passed? And how come he hasn't? I'm like, everybody chill. Everybody just relax. He's only been in office for a month and a half. Mm -hmm. Okay? I mean, he's good, but he ain't that good. I don't know anybody who gets every single one of their priorities through even Mr. Trump, okay? Nobody is going to get all their priorities through in a month and a half. It just isn't going to happen. So I really think people need to just relax, and I really think they need to work hard to get those priorities passed. And you don't get those priorities passed by sniping at the guy who's trying to pass them. That's right. I mean, what do they want, Donna? For God's sake, he has slashed childhood poverty in half with this yep. legislation. He has... Yes, but $15 an hour. If he didn't get the minimum wage. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and plus, he will have vaccinated 300 million adults in his first 100 days. Yes, I mean, but he didn't do criminal justice reform. <laughs> That's right. This is the conversation I have every day on Twitter with people that have red roses in their profiles to signify their contrarianism. It it drives me bananas. But I feel like, you know, someone's got to do it. So, yeah. Oh, I know. But every seriously, I have no idea what's next for the Biden administration. Mm -hmm. But I do have an idea that we have an administration that is compassionate, that does care about people. And that is trying its best to get us back on a framework where government does good for people. You know what I'd like to see next and don't laugh? Infrastructure week. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. And you know why I'd like to see it? Because I was on the front page of my local newspaper last week because our neighborhood, eight power outages in six months oh my god i lost an entire class because the electric the electric power in our neighborhood goes out repeatedly did you find did you find your students did they wander away and you couldn't find them or oh i see what you mean i'm I'm being being silly intern who works for the school newspaper um and she was able to get in touch with people and let them know what had happened because i messaged her my my telephone is on a different provider from my internet Mm -hmm. so i was able to get a hold of her and just say well we're down again congratulations yeah and 
it just got so aggravating that, you know, I went to my city councilor, I went to the mayor, I went, I finally, I just went to my local newspaper and said, you know, seriously, I have a story for you. And 7,000 people being affected. Now, in fairness, some of it is our provider, but some of it is just old infrastructure that yeah. hasn't been updated since I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. And the reality is we need infrastructure desperately. Yeah. It'll put a lot of people to work. It will make a lot of people happy because they'll be getting some income and it will improve the roads, the bridges, the electrical grid. I mean, can you say Texas? I mean, talk about a place where they haven't upgraded the electrical grid. How did that work out for them? No, it wasn't wind farms. It was the vast majority of the electrical grid was like, you know, oil and gas, and that failed too. Mm -hmm. So if you've got old infrastructure that you haven't weatherized, that you haven't upgraded, you're just asking for things to fail. Mm -hmm. And there has not been a plan in ages to upgrade these kinds of services. That's right. So maybe, just maybe, the Biden administration will focus on infrastructure. It's widely popular, both in red states and blue states. And maybe we can find a way to put some people back to work upgrading our roads, bridges, and electric grid. What do you think? I think it's a great idea. And I think what they need to do before that, though, is even though it is popular in red states doing infrastructure projects, they're not going to get the support of the red state uh, members of Congress. So they need to eliminate the filibuster or reform it, which is one of the new ideas that's on the table as far as uh, dealing with this 50-50 divide in the Senate. And, And the idea, Donna, is to change the rules so that you don't eliminate the filibuster on legislation but you actually make it challenging for the minority to filibuster a piece of legislation. You you actually force them to be on the floor for those votes and so on. You know, basically they have to stay up all night and do a traditional filibuster if they really want to filibuster. Short of oh, that, I miss those. I miss those. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. In fact, Buzz on my Tuesday show refers. They should call it the Jimmy Stewart Amendment or something like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Because that that seems to be the only way at this point that they're going to get Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema to support doing something with the filibusters to simply reform it. But by reforming it by by changing it, by making the filibuster more challenging to implement, they will be able to get more of the Democratic agenda passed, which uh, oh, will absolutely. ostensibly include infrastructure and so on. Yep. So, but yeah. we also we've got to keep things in perspective. Okay, um, Michael Cohen, not the guy that's a friend of Trump, but mm-hmm. the uh, ex-friend of Trump, yeah. but a um, columnist for the Boston Globe, he just tweeted out explaining to March 2016 me that five years later, Joe Biden is president, Democrats just passed a $1.9 trillion spending bill, Hmm. and Merrick Garland is attorney general. Yeah. So. Incredible. It's very easy to look at everything and go, oh, my God, everything's terrible because this priority hasn't passed. And I'm sitting there going, folks, um, those of you that were around even as recently as a year ago, would you like to go back to that? <laughs> I didn't think so. So compared to that, I'm actually very hopeful. Yeah. Yes, I know the folks. there are folks in Congress that are going to try to stop 
everything. I totally get that. But on the other hand, I really feel like there are some members of Congress who truly want to get something done. One thing I'd really like to see us address is gerrymandering, Mm -hmm. because the whole voter suppression and gerrymandering situation has not gotten enough attention. When I was growing up, and it wasn't that long ago, I mean, you know, and then the dinosaurs came. No, it wasn't that long ago. When I was growing up, politicians, whether they were Republican or Democrat, they responded to their voters because they could be defeated by those voters in the next election. That's right. Today, there is so much gerrymandering, so much partisan gerrymandering, that everybody who is like-minded is in one district, and you never have to respond to anybody because you're all just like, oh yeah, all of my voters believe X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And they draw up these crazy-looking districts where they make sure that their voters are in that district. And where's the competition? There's no incentive anymore for Republicans to compromise or for that matter for Democrats to compromise. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in a situation where you know your voters like you and that that district has been intentionally drawn up so that you get reelected, now what? Yeah. Now what? Mm Mm-hmm. Where's the? How do we get compromise? I know the one thing that I would like to sit Joe Biden down, if I could ever talk to him, I would like to say to him, I understand that you come from a belief that compromise is possible. But I really wonder in the current environment and in the current Congress, is there more of an incentive to not compromise? And if that's the case... What are you going to do to move your agenda? Yeah. Much of which is wildly popular. I think it's one of those contradictions, Donna, with compromise, where people say in focus groups that they want Washington to compromise more. And then when their side starts compromising, they're like, oh, no, oh, we can't have any compromise here. No, no, no. There's this ongoing series of contradictions in American politics where we tell pollsters, we tell focus groups that we want X, but we really want Y. We, we say things like, oh, we should have term limits. But then as soon as people walk into the voting booth, they vote for the same incumbents over and over again. It's those basic contradictions that drive me bananas. And I get the mm-hmm. sense that when Joe Biden talks about compromise, he's basically going with what he thinks is the accepted and popular move among, you know, whatever it is, 55, 60 percent of Americans who say they want compromise. But ultimately, it's a no win scenario to try to pursue that, even though it should be, even though compromise is what this nation is built upon. Democracy is all about compromise. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. But then at the same time, uh, when you go and compromise, suddenly your flanks start caving in with the far left and the far right going, bah, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You're giving it all away. You're being oh, stupid. I know. Yeah, oh, by the way, since I'm on your show, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. it's a privilege to be on your show, and I mean that sincerely, okay? okay? Since I'm on your show, can I get your opinion about something? Uh, I don't can like, you? I usually don't like to deliver my opinion, Donna. So. I hear you're very humble. <laughs> I, I am told you're very humble, okay? So, um, okay. You know, and and you have a lot to be humble about. I appreciate that. (laughs) So um, here's my question. Yes. Why are Josh Hawley and Ron Johnson 
and Ted Cruz, still sitting senators, when they supported insurrection and overturning a legal election. For the same reason that Fox News primetime is still on the air after all of that. I don't understand why that is continuing on. I don't have any hard and fast answer for you, Donna, as far as that goes, why these people are still at large. They shouldn't be. I mean, in other countries, when a coup like this, when an insurrection like this takes place, there are brutal consequences. And I'm not necessarily saying we should, you know, engage in some of those consequences. Like, usually hangings are in order during uh, big traitorous insurrections in other countries, certainly historically speaking. And I'm not saying we necessarily need to put up a bunch of gibbets and start executing people like they did after the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. But I'm saying that there needs to be some greater sense of accountability here so that we know that if, if you try this again, you're going to face the consequences, whether you're one of the foot soldiers who barged through the doors or if you're a politician like Josh Hawley who encouraged it or Ted Cruz or Roger Stone or any of these people, Donald Trump in particular, uh, Mike Flynn. Uh, somehow they can get away with it. And I, I will never, ever understand why the system fails so greatly when it comes down to the people who incited all of this in the first place, how they end up getting away with it. In fact, I should just ask you, how do you think uh, they get away with it? I mean, and why? How do we close that door? How do we get the judicial system to start focusing on uh, holding those people accountable? And there you are. It's not just the judicial system. I have great hope now that Merrick Garland is the attorney general because he is a fair-minded judge. Mm Mm-hmm. Unlike the last folks that inhabited that office who saw their role as being President Trump's attorneys, Merrick Garland comes from a tradition of looking at the law fairly. And I'm not just saying that. The people that would have supported him if Mr. McConnell had not done what he did, he was wildly popular with Republicans and Democrats, Merrick Garland. People loved him, Mm -hmm. okay? And I have every reason to believe that he will bring that sense of fairness to the Attorney General's office. And that's what we need more of. There are pending cases with respect to the Capitol riot. There is still investigation going on. And I get the sense that there's going to be more investigation that will lead, perhaps, to linking some of these politicians with what happened. I hope so. I don't. I I just what breaks my heart is that, again, and I hate to keep going back to the past, but when I was growing up, Republicans absolutely were a party that believed in the Constitution and believed in elections. What breaks my heart is how this iteration of the Republican Party is fine about overturning an election because their guy lost. Uh, I wasn't happy when Bush won. Mm -hmm. I really thought that the Supreme Court installed him unfairly, okay? But I never would have gone out in the street and tried to overturn the election. I was like, yep, he's the president. We'll just have to work real hard to defeat him. Okay. I have Republican friends who are not fond of Obama, but they weren't going to go out in the street and march to overturn the election 
either. What have we turned into? And the fact that some of our legislators are leading the charge is shameful, but it's also a sad commentary that it's okay in the Republican media sphere to talk that way. No, it's not okay. The election was fair. The election was legitimate. Putting in all of these voter suppression rules because like, oh, my God, people are saying the election wasn't fair. Well, they're saying it because you've been repeating it over Mm -hmm. and over and over. Tell the truth about it. Your guy lost. Biden is president. Let's work together to improve things and let's stop attacking this great democracy. Was Rush Limbaugh good or bad for radio, politics aside? I I was quoted in an article yesterday about that. Mm -hmm. Um, The reality is that early in his career, after the Fairness Doctrine went away in 1987, Mm -hmm. and Rush Limbaugh and one-sided, mostly conservative Republican talk radio went on the air, Rush Limbaugh was excellent for radio. He restored and rejuvenated and saved AM radio. Yeah. That's the good news. The bad news is he created an ecosystem where talk show meant angry, insulting, rude. Limbaugh wasn't like that early in his career. As time went on, he went from being just sarcastic and sardonic and no, I don't agree with him, but he's entertaining to just being another angry guy talking about victimization, Mm -hmm. okay? And talking about how Trump was the best thing ever and white people are the real victims and this and that. And yeah, that really worked well on what talk radio became. But I grew up in an era when that's not what talk radio was supposed to be about. So this has been very lucrative for a number of stations, This has been very beneficial for the more radical wing of the Republican Party, but it's been terrible for democracy. And I think we have to look at Rush Limbaugh's legacy is very mixed. On the one hand, as a radio consultant, I applaud the early stages of his career for really, really giving listeners some entertaining conservative talk radio. But later on, he spawned a whole bunch of clones who picked up the anger but didn't pick up much else and who believed that it was okay to spread myths and misinformation, something that talk radio is now famous for. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, in that world, yeah, Rush Limbaugh is, you know, he is the king of that kind of talk radio. And are we better off for it? No. I really don't think we are. No, not at all. In fact, you know what? I believe that uh, Rush Limbaugh was the political template, at least, for Donald Trump. I don't think Donald Trump has an original thought. I don't think Donald Trump has ever had an original thought. I think what Donald Trump did was to say, I want to get into politics now. How do I do that? Okay, I'm going to copy that guy on the radio, Rush Limbaugh, and I'm going to copy Fox News primetime and just do what they're doing. I'm going to put my own spin on it and make it my own, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to co-opt all of that. We had four years, you know, include the campaign, five years of Donald Trump basically doing his own version of all the crap that we've seen on Fox News Channel and Ahem Talk Radio. You're just, you're making the most important point about this topic. Yeah. Donald Trump, was a TV show performer. Right. 
And he ran his presidency like, wow, if this is good for the ratings, I'll do this. And if this is bad for the ratings, I won't do this. <laughs> None of it had to do with what was good for the American people. That's right. Everything had to do with what is good for himself and what is good for his ratings. And that absolutely, he ran his presidency just like a talk show. Okay, And Limbaugh modeled that. That was styled for him. It was very successful. I'm not saying he wouldn't have done it anyway. But Limbaugh capitalized on a time and a place and made the Republican Party pull more to the right, more angry, more hostile, more held hostage by the loudest voices in the party, less likely to govern, more likely to be outraged. Mm -hmm. And that was the kind of presidency that Donald Trump brought us. Thanks, Rush Limbaugh. You know, I'm just glad that from now on, when I tweet about Rush, people won't mistake it for Limbaugh. That's what... Mm. <laughs> this is the, I'm sure you've I, run I into used this to have to, Yeah, I used to have to differentiate yes. between, like, you know, <laughs> wonderful rock band or bloviating talk show host. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's I always yeah. ever referred to him as Limbaugh. I refuse to mm. refer to him as Rush, like so many people. There is only one... One rush. Well, he went. He went on the air as Jeff Christie in his yeah, early days. You know, he right. should have should have stayed with Jeff Christie. And he was a great DJ. Rush Limbaugh yes, was an yes. excellent, excellent yes, record spinner. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he certainly was. Mm -hmm. And he should have stuck with, with it. it. But again, <laughs> he really did a lot mm -hmm. for AM talk radio at a time when it was in trouble. But then it turned into a monster. And then it turned into just a seething mass of anger, recrimination, resentment, and misinformation. And there you are. Yeah. So thank God for podcasts like yours to set the record straight. That's right. That's why I'm here. I, yeah, I have, rump. There I got, you go. I got to ask you, have you revisited the tribute concert for Neil yet? Is that something that's going to... Uh, return to the front burner again, or is that kind of gone I away? I think that there's a lot of people that would still like to do it. Yeah. But you know, and I know, how do you plan something <laughs> in know. the current environment? That's right. With variants all over the world, with some people getting vaccinated, some people not getting vaccinated, some people who refuse to get vaccinated, some people who, you know, can't get access to until such time mm -hmm. as the world stabilizes because let's be honest people would want to come in for a tribute to neil peart they would want to be coming in from all over everywhere yeah and in order to make that happen it's got to be safe and it's got to be secure and the world unfortunately has been neither and until such time as there's more health and there's more vaccine and there's less likelihood of other outbreaks. Bobby, how do you plan? Yeah, yeah. How do you plan? I mean, we've had to postpone this thing and it, the venue is in the same boat. My heart goes out to every single musician. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Michael Stanley in Cleveland just passed. He was very popular when mm -hmm. I was at WMMS. 
small musicians, big musicians, average-sized musicians, and I'm not talking about their body shape, I'm talking about their popularity, they, it was impossible for them to find anywhere to perform. I know. And this has been just the most brutal year for musicians. Somebody asked me, what will I do after I you know, get the vaccine and after more people are vaccinated? I'm like, I'm going to find a small club and I'm going to go out and support my local musicians. Because poor babies, they have been through so much over the year, and they can't make a living. And we should help them in every way we can. So, yes, I would like to say to you, hey, we're going to reschedule a night for new. But at this point, I don't think anybody is ready to reschedule anything until we know for a fact that things have become a lot more stable. You know, it just occurred to me, Donna, that I'm kind of doing your old job. You were a music director, at least when you discovered Rush, you were a music Mm -hmm. director. And I'm kind of doing that now with my podcast with independent recording artists. And uh, because I've been playing indie music on my show out of uh, commercials, and then I do a countdown show at the end of the month where I play all the songs. God bless you for it. I got to tell you, I miss radio every day day of my life. I really do. Being a music director, being an assistant program director, being a program director, being on the air as a DJ. I had so much fun. I met so many wonderful people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as much fun as podcasting is, there's nothing like the live broadcast, the local, the local live broadcast. It is. And I want to just say again, I am so grateful for the chance to talk politics. And I'm sure I freaked some people out because they're like, oh my God, you're so moderate. But on this podcast, you weren't moderate. Um, <laughs> I, you know something? I hope I am always courteous. You will rarely hear me calling politicians names. But yeah, I have very strong views about political issues. And I'm very willing to put that out there. I just think the name calling and the insults and the looking at the other side like the enemy It's got to stop because it hasn't gotten us to a good place. And I applaud you for playing music. I applaud you for giving independent voices a chance to be heard. But above all, I applaud you for being you and having a podcast and giving people with opinions like me a chance to be on it and to share those opinions. I hope I've been halfway interesting. Oh, are you kidding me? You are a genius. I love having you on, Donna. You know that. I have you on as as often as I possibly can. You know, make you a regular here. And uh, I I think this is your fifth appearance on the show. So this is... uh, Well, I'm eternally grateful and I, you know, I would love to be on other people's shows if they would call. But I particularly have a soft spot in my heart for you because I love oh. what you're doing and I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Well, the feeling is absolutely mutual, Donna. Your blog is dlhalperblog.blogspot.com. Yep. Uh, yep. You can also find Donna on Twitter at Devoralia. That is, uh, yep. am I pronouncing D-E-V-O-R- that correctly? Yep, you are. That's my Hebrew name. D-E-V-O-R-A-H. L-E-A-H, that's yes. my, like, Devora is Deborah, Leah is Lee, <laughs> De, my Hebrew name is like, well, I was supposed to be named Deborah, but my parents couldn't figure out, did they want Deborah or did they want Donna? So their compromise was Donna in English and Deborah in Hebrew. Ah. But if you just put me up on Uncle Google... Uh, you know, you'll find me in all kinds of places. I'm very easy to get a hold of. And as people will tell you, 
I answer my emails. So if people want to get in touch and they're courteous, I would love to hear from them. You're wonderful. You're a genius. I can't wait to talk to you again and uh, take care of yourself. And, and Well, keep fighting the good fight. I get vaccinated tomorrow. Wish me luck. There you go. Enjoy your post-vaccination life, too. I hear all these things about side effects, mm-hmm. but I don't care. I'm just so grateful yeah. for the opportunity. And it's another step in us all getting back out there. So, you know, mm-hmm. thank God for that. Be go. well, be healthy, and keep fighting the good fight, my friend. Same to you, Donna. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time. Mwah. Okay, bye-bye. Hold it. Don't nobody move. If you're sick and tired of the commercials on the show... I've got a solution for you. For just $15 per month, you can get the ultimate edition of this podcast. Here's what that means. The ultimate edition combines the free version of the show with the post-mortem show that we record after the end credits. Plus, we take out all the commercials just for you. That means you get the hour-long free show plus the 20-minute post-mortem show where all the real fun happens, and you get all of that without commercials for just $15 per month. That's bobseskashow.com or just click the all caps patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com thank you